everyone. Welcome to episode three of Big Shiny Takes. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Wickham. Um, with me today is Marino Greco and Jeremy Appel. Marino, how are you doing today? Uh, I've been better, but we'll get into that, I'm sure, with the news of the week. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Jeremy, how about you? Yo, Rick, what's up? Oh, oh you know, not much. I, um... I, it's Passover, and I was just uh, having a uh, Passover Seder um, over Zoom um, <laughs> with, you know, both Jewish people in Medicine Hat. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, we have to drink four cups of wine as as a religious and ethical uh, obligation. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a bit lit. All right, great. This is going to be a good episode. How does one procure a satyr? I thought they were mythical. <laughs> is that bad? No. <laughs> no, you're thinking of the golem. <laughs> you know, golem? Yeah, uh, yes, yes. Like the Pokemon, but it's Jewish uh, folklore. Mm, oh, sorry. I thought you were referring to a Schmeagel of L- Lord of the Rings fame. <laughs> well, that is, that is his alt. Right? <laughs> it's, his, uh, it's, his, it's his other account. Schmeagle is the official account, and Gollum is the troll account. Oh, that's good. Uh, I can see that. I can see that for sure. All right. So today uh, we're talking about a. Um, I think someone that when we started this podcast. It was like, okay, we're, we're going to need to talk about this guy um, at some point. Um, and his name is Jonathan Kay. Uh, now, you may know Jonathan Kay as Barbara Kay's son, <laughs> which is true. It's the first thing on his resume. <laughs> I mean, that he so he started out his career as a tax lawyer. Did you know that? No, I, I did. did not I didn't know, know that. that. It, it yeah, seems he was like a, a tax lawyer. It seems very on brand. Yeah. Um, well, I know he. Sorry, he. I don't have his Wikipedia right in front of me, and I don't really care that much. But he definitely studied tax law in law school, got a law degree, and whether he practiced a bit or not, he ends up working at the same newspaper as Mother Barbara. And um, throughout that time, uh, he wrote a book called Among the Truthers. <laughs> Have you guys heard of it? I actually, I'm going to bring up his... Have you seen this? Have you read this? I'm going to bring I up his author profile from the National Post because it's very interesting. It mentioned Among the Truthers. It also still calls him the editor of the Walrus... Sorry. The Walrus magazine, which he is no longer. So maybe they need to maybe they need to update that. Yeah, Most yeah. telling is, and if they if they're not up on the Walrus stuff, maybe this makes sense. But it does not mention that he is, I believe, a part founder or founder of Quillette, a, a, just a terrible site that platforms all right. I don't think he was a fucking f- monsters. I I don't. I don't think he founded Quillette, but yes, that's what he does now. He's a Quillette guy. Um, so, you know, facts and reason. Oh, look it up. Uh, yeah. Skull sizes. Um, <laughs> Andy Nagao. Or, you know. Yeah, I can't. Don't ask me to. Yeah, just yeah, an editor. Yeah. No, just, it's pronounced. He's just an editor. Uh, Andy, sorry. no. 
Andy No. No, but Andy No isn't at Quillette anymore. They like disappeared him. Nice. Like nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've pulled up John K's Twitter. It's uh, he's a Quillette editor slash podcaster. So you know, friend of the pod. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> well, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that podcast with Dr. Deborah Stowe. <laughs> wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened wrong, to it a little wrong. bit. It was, uh, yeah. it was atrocious. He had a podcast called Wrong Think and a book called Among the Truthers. It's like he's literally a caricature of... But, 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 um, so I read Among the Truthers uh, years ago. When I was in graduate school, I actually took a class on conspiracy theories in American culture. Mm. And one one of the assigned readings was John Kay's dumb book, <laughs> and it honestly like it has parts of it that are like good analysis of the types of people who believe in conspiracies and why they do it. But then he just goes off throughout the book and just slimes people as conspiracy theories who think that there's any sort of like system that's holding regular people back like he called Naomi Klein shock doctrine a conspiracy tract now um pretty sure the world we're living in right now is like living proof of the shock doctrine mm. um and, and and you know like Howard Zinn's people's history of the United States it's this America's just this conspiracy and it's like well no there's actually more to it than that so um it's it's a pretty dumb book as i suggested um just now but he but i i think it's important to talk about his time at the walrus i remember <laughs> that was in j school we were uh, we were in J school when that yeah, happened, yeah, yeah. and people are like, "Why is John K being chosen to be in charge of the Walrus?" Well, the Walrus is a nonprofit run magazine that has you know a variety of different voices in it, and so um, it just seemed kind of opposite of the mandate of the actual magazine at the time and i remember a lot of people kind of scratching their heads going well i guess we'll see what happens and uh he's no longer a part of the walrus team well it's funny the whole walrus thing i initially heard of the walrus in first year english class in uft uh nick mount fantastic professor uh would talk about walrus articles and then so i'm not sure if john k was the editor at that point but along the way i found i heard the name john k heard of him as the editor of the walrus and from my perception of the walrus i just assumed john k was like some standard liberal <laughs> <laughs> well no but he did when he worked for the walrus he did have a brief period because obviously he's barber k son he's a right-wing columnist at National Post, but there was a time it seemed to me, I remember I heard him on Canaland when he took over at the Walrus, and he seemed to um, be sort of, I guess, moving more towards the center. Mm. Um, now, in case um, you couldn't tell by him being an editor of Quillette, uh, that, that that's long over. Um, and so why, why was he fired from the walrus? And how did he end up at Quillette? Because I think that this... His firing from the walrus was his joker moment. You know? <laughs> like, this This is when he just, like, swallowed that black pill 
and was just like, fuck it, mask off. And and I think the theme as to why he left the walrus recurs in his work um, after that. Um, Going back to... Do, do you guys not know? I have no idea, man. Sorry. Go, yeah, go ahead. You don't know why you got can- nope. shit can from the walrus. Okay. So, there was a guy by the name of... Hal Nidziavicki. Nidziavicki. He was an editor of something called Write Magazine, which I'm sure you haven't heard of. Um... And he wrote a piece about how cultural appropriation isn't real. Oh, yeah. I know I remember this. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah this this, and, this and, rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, maybe it's real, but it's good. Right. <laughs> he does that type of, uh, you know, classic yeah. um, two step. Is that a two step? I feel like I misused that phrase, but I know what Keep I mean, plowing so. forward, man. You got it. All right. So, Mr. Uh, Nidzviecki, <laughs> Nidzviecki, Nidzviecki, so he wrote this piece and was criticized for it um, because, you know, cultural appropriation is real. And, I, I mean, I think there is a legitimate discussion to be had about what constitutes cultural appropriation. And you know how to deal with it, but it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he was criticized for it. And then John K tweeted, "The mobbing of Hal Nidzviecki is what we get when we let identity politics fundamentalists run riot. Sad and shameful." <laughs> he actually said, "Sad." sad. In, in 2017. So like post-Trump, yeah. sad. Yeah, like oh my God. Um, and for that, um, well, as a result of that, he there was a petition going around, you know, taking this brave stand in favor of cultural appropriation doesn't exist. Okay, yeah, it exists, but it's good. And it was signed. Um, I don't have the petition in front of me, but it was signed by John Kay. It was signed by. Um, Mumsy Bad, <laughs> uh, Ken White, who I believe is a founding editor of the Ma- National Post, mm. uh, McLean's editor in chief, Allison Uncles, and of course National Post editor in chief, Anne Marie Owens, and and like Christy Blatchford, obviously, R.I.P. to a real one. She was a real one, but the. Well, it turn, it turns out John K still has a lot of thoughts about uh, a lot of thoughts about political exactly. correctness, as we we shall soon see. Yeah, and this was like his his. You know, I, I think a lot of these these figures who uh, have these dalliances with the far right have that singular moment, right? That Joker moment where they realized that the left is the fault that everything that's wrong with the world is the fault of the left Mm. and I think this was it but in any event Jonathan K still writes for the National Post whenever he wants to because his mom 
<laughs> is a regular columnist there. So let's get into the piece today. He has some thoughts about COVID-19, as we all do. Okay. Uh, Marino, that's your game. <laughs> Eric, where, are, are you asleep? Um, more or less, honestly, it's been a long fucking day. But uh, Just for the record, it's 12.22 um, a.m. in Ontario, where these Laurentian elites are right now. Whereas it's 1022 here in uh, southern Alberta. So, you know, the party's just getting started. Greatest province. Not a province. Southern Alberta. A country. Oh, <laughs> got me. Yeah, All right. You think I'm going to... Anyways. I can narrate this fucking dumpster fire. I mean, this uh, think piece. Uh, until this week, Dr... It, it's fucking late. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's... Oof. Okay. Until this week, Dr. Teresa Tam offered no fewer than four reasons why asymptomatic Canadians shouldn't wear masks when they left the house. First, the Public Health Agency of Canada had told us wearing a mask to protect yourself or others from COVID-19 might deplete supplies needed by frontline nurses and doctors, putting the one side to putting to one side the fact that relatively few of us were looking to procure medical grade N95 models. Uh, secondly, wearing a mask could make everything worse because the person could put their finger in their eye or touch their face under their mask. Third, masks would give us a false sense of security and thereby encourage people to stop social distancing. Fourth, Tam told us uh, most people haven't learned how to use masks. The profile of the ordinary Canadian that emerges here is a person so dumb that one wonders how we manage to even button our shirts or zip up our pants without watching instructional videos are calling a 1-800 number. I mean, I wonder that about John Kay sometimes, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, he's... Ugh, this this column is so dumb. Um, it, it's like... Like, I've, I've, I've seen a couple versions of this one, um, which is, um, why should we trust public health officials when their, um, their advice changes with time? <laughs> um, it, it's just... It's so fucking dumb sorry for yeah. swearing jerry's well, mom and, well no, no and and i you know the headline of this piece um i should say is the case for wearing face masks during covid19 was obvious a month ago <laughs> yes good point thank you now i i googled jonathan k uh face masks i um I, I Google Jonathan K and face masks, and this is the only article that's turned up. So, if that case was so obvious, why wasn't he warning of it? And I stand to be corrected if there is a piece prior when public health officials um, were saying that we don't need to wear masks, and Jonathan K was standing up to the you know ivory tower elites. Um, send me a link. My DMs are open. Yeah, like a month ago was March 9th. Um, the WHO only declared uh, coronavirus a pandemic on the 11th. So but I don't Eric, know what we, kind we shouldn't, of. We shouldn't listen to slow moving bureaucracies. We need to make wild leaps when literally nobody, even doctors, 
like had any clear idea of where this was going. <laughs> and that's the other thing. He has such a static view of science. For someone who purports to know so much about science, he seems to miss the basic point that this is like an incredibly evolving situation. Science itself itself is just a hypothesis that is often just like struck down with the next study. But but Marino, aren't we all scientists? In a way. <laughs> in a way. And you know like what? Like we ex- Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we, no, I mean, I'm joking, but I mean, people do, uh, you know, science is simply based on experience, um, which we all have in the world. <laughs> and so is John Kay, and he's not going to let some ivory tower elitist <laughs> some, tell him some, yeah, some nerd whether to wear a face mask or not. Exactly. He's going to wear it. Uh,. The false sense of a security thing. Like, that's... I went out today, and people with masks were brazenly walking close to me, clearly thinking that a mask would, like, protect them. Like, that was my take on that situation. But I won't put too much stock into anecdotes. This is a this is a man of science we're talking about. Let's move on. <laughs> Fortunately, that's all old news. On Monday, Tam proclaimed Canadians mask-worthy, instructing us that we sh- that wearing non a non-medical mask as an additional measure that can that can is an additional sorry wearing a non-medical mask is an additional measure that c- that you can take to protect others around you. So it's not even like a mandor- mandatory stipulation. Uh, she even gave us crafting tips on how to MacGyver our own unit out of t-shirts and elastic bands. This advice comes several weeks after many of us already knew that masks were beneficial. I'm not sure that several weeks ago I knew that. I'm pretty sure several weeks ago I was still going outside regularly and stuff. But let's go on. But still, it's nice to see that Tam has caught up on her March reading. Just a little dig there to end that graph. Yeah. What an idiot, the person who's leading the fight against uh, the pandemic in <laughs> where we all live. Uh, sorry, I'm just so stressed out. <laughs> it just bothers me. Stressed out in general? or uh, I, This piece is adding to it. In retrospect, the time to start questioning our federal government's competency on COVID-19 health and safety tips was late January when Tam told the health committee that forcing self-isolation on incoming travelers from COVID-19 afflicted areas hmm, <laughs> would, risk, so would risk stigmatizing members of those communities. What, which, what, what do you think John <laughs> Kay was doing in late January? <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm sure he like he was talking to his mom, mm-hmm. and you know tagging her in in tweets. Mm-hmm. I was, but was w- w- was he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's strong. It's strong. K. Like, does he have a wife? Is he a wife to... guy? He's a mom guy, dude. Yeah, he's a mom guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. I. I and like I mean he's not a wife guy because he doesn't post about his wife ever and I think that's an important like that's what a wife guy is right yeah, yeah it's yeah. not someone who has mm-hmm. a wife and loves her mm-hmm. like it's that's normal it's, and boring yeah it's an important it's, an important <laughs> it's a guy who's like her. always always posting about his wife or writing articles or uh, statements yeah yeah uh, in a way that wife. makes it but seem anyways, like, I, 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 that ex- like his wife exists. 
I, I don't want, I want to avoid becoming the wife guy podcast. You know, I think we have so much more to offer. That's true. <laughs> Do That's we? True. It's talking about people's wives. <laughs> Do we though? We don't have to go too, we, we can choose how much of this to cut, but, uh, I think the mama's boy part was uh, pretty good. Anyways. Um, yeah, let's move on. No, John K. Fucks his mom. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. So Jonathan K. Does not fuck his mom. Let, let <laughs> me be clear. It's, it's good. Thank you for clarifying. We don't know. Jeremy, the truth of the matter is we just don't know. It's true. Maybe he does. <laughs> I, I ha- you know what? We, 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 some people say he does. Some people say he doesn't. And, you know, in the spirit of Passover, if I can be a bit rabbinical, mm. who's to say? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think if you use the scientific method, it's uh, it's impossible to determine. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's Schrodinger's mom. <laughs> <laughs> but also, also, this is like everyone thinks this. Everyone. And no one wants to say it. So why don't we be courageous and... Be the first people to publish. Jonathan K. Fox's mom. This no, is, I'm just. This kidding. is the brave take that I wanna. I wanna put out into the world. Actually, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up, guys. I'm feeling okay. very close to being blackpilled because I am just. You've seen my Twitter activity in recent days. The Bernie thing just kind of set me off, and like, oh, t- like t- taking down these fucking dipshits is so fucking cathartic. Uh, I was gonna say as an aside, I'm getting like less work now. I'm gonna have days during the week that I'm off as vacation mm-hmm. days as a measure for so I'll have some more time. Anyways, back to uh, awesome. So le- I got laid off. So let's, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Jeremy. God damn it. Anyways, okay. That, that, so where are we at? Where are we at? Even if no one knew the full extent of the virus threat back then, her manner of justifying inaction symbolized a larger pattern. From the start, our public officials often seemed more concerned about political correctness than public contagion. Ooh, I like that. PCPC. There it is. The moment you've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. John gets to the the crux of his position. <laughs> it's nothing to do with that 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 um, public health officials were late to this like relatively minor um, mask issue. Like this is such a gotcha. Like yeah, if oh, you like God, it's wearing a mask a isn't gotcha. gonna stop you from getting COVID. No, it's not. No, it'll, it'll stop, stop you spread. from giving yeah. it. Yeah, it, it, and so. You know, this is such an incredibly minor detail that he's seizing on to make a broader point, and that is that, again, this is the left's fault for th- pushing uh, political correctness. And, sorry. Uh, no, I think you really hit the nail on the head. I'm going to go back to just when he quotes Tam. Wearing a non-medical mask is an additional measure that you can take to protect others around you. She's not calling for mandatory wearing of masks. It is a minor issue. It's an addendum. The primary thing is social distancing. We were fucking on that pretty quick, in in my view. But but there's more. But there's more. When pushed on the travel issue, Tam declared we are a signatory 
to the international health relations, and we will be called to account if we do anything different. And as recently as March 13th, uh, Health Minister Patty Hadju... I'm sorry, I probably butcher that name every time I say it. Was lecturing. Yo, Jake Wilson's Canadians. mom. Mm, interesting. Her son went to J school with us. Nice <laughs> guy. Did he? <laughs> yeah, you know him. I guess not. He's, he was friends with Charlotte, and I. He he's a good guy. Anyways, go on. Health Minister Patty Hadju was lecturing Canadians about how closing borders would, quote, create harm. The U.S.-Canada land border was closed a week later. That's in brackets. Well, most Canadians are adults who understand the importance of multilateral cooperation, we also expect our leaders to exercise independent judgment when it comes to life or death matters, instead of existing as a glorified out-of-office responder that passes along edicts from slow-moving international bureaucracies. I dare say we'd also be perfectly okay with Tam or Hadju being called to account for regulatory non-compliance by some international entity, especially now that we know that such a move could have s- saved Canadian lives. What's that they say can about someone... hindsight? <laughs> but but can you tell me what the fuck he's talking about in that paragraph? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. Like, does, like, does anyone actually hold the position he's saying that... We need to just pass along edicts from moving international beyond <laughs> the king of the doctors. Like over- yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like we're overruling our own public health officials, who he's at the same time slamming for being cocks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I love the idea of him being concerned about human life. Like it just comes off so disingenuous. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, and, and no. people that. Yeah, like the Palestinians who, you know, whose lives are very precious to the K family. Oh boy. <laughs> nah. Is that foreshadowing for the next uh the next segment? No, actually the 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 barber piece doesn't doesn't talk about Israel. Wow. It's actually it's it's yeah, well we'll get, don't That's big for her. We'll um <laughs> okay, where were we? That's true. <laughs> if he, like she like I feel like almost all her pieces are about Israel. In trans people and how Israel is good and trans people are bad. Yeah, or Woody Allen. So it, it, it <laughs> so it's refreshing. So it's refreshing. Anyways, we'll 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 get to it. We'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah. It. Marino, Marino. What's All the right. next uh, passage? Back to back to the goodness. All right. There is a reason why many independent experts all over the world started telling people to wear masks in March. The science was already persuasive. As far back as a month ago, in fact, researchers showed that COVID-19 material can accumulate and multiply in the nasopharynx. That's the upper part of the throat behind your nose. Uh, That's crucial. (laughs) Thanks, John K. That's crucial because this area of the body is vulnerable to large droplets emanating from the mouth or nose of an infected individual. You don't need an N95 mask to protect against large droplets. While no mask is 100% reliable, your old baseball game giveaway towel will do a reasonably good job. Who's letting large droplets fucking be sneezed into their mouth? John K. John <laughs> from Babs. From Babs. <laughs> from Babs to you. 
There's going to be some... Well, how can we avoid talking about his weird relationship with his mom? Anyways. We can't, and we should embrace it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You just said They've that. embraced sometime, it. Sometimes he was going to say that. <laughs> all right, it's, all right. it's just it's such low-hanging fruit. I can't help it either. Oh, man. Um, let's just go on. Sometimes low-hanging fruit is the sweetest. <laughs> so let's continue with John Kay's uh, just weird, like cherry picking of various studies into his little column uh, when it comes to droplet ballistics <laughs> the physics at play are complex <laughs> what is this the Kennedy assassination Jesus <laughs> well he did write among the truthers oh, there you go call back but they were well summarized by cell biologist uh, Sui oh god Sui Huang of the Institute for Systems Biology in Seattle. As Huang explained two weeks ago in a widely circulated piece, uh, a typical social distancing separation of two meters may help protect you from people who are merely breathing or talking in a normal fashion. But a sneeze generates airflow of about 50 meters per second. That's half the length of a football field, and the time it takes you to say... That's half the length of a football field in the time it takes you to say coronavirus. As the South Koreans and Taiwanese have known for many weeks, once again, we're back to just this vague time fucking manipulation thing of many weeks or a month ago where apparently everyone is better than us. As the South Koreans and Taiwanese have known for many weeks, protecting yourself requires a physical membrane between you and the environment. These membranes are commonly known as masks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jonathan Cave, for telling us what a mask is. <laughs> I love that line. Because, I mean, it's, it's really like... There's a lot of misinformation out there about what a mask is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jonathan K. Mask Identifier. <laughs> the mask identifier has logged the fuck on. <laughs> oh, I'm. That's a. Uh, what a chud, dude. He sucks. By international standards, neither Tam or Hadju are especially incompetent or culpable. There are plenty of other examples in plenty of other countries of public officials who found reasons to drag their feet or offer bad advice. A common pattern has emerged whereby such delays often were caused by government officials stubbornly hewing to political brand, ideological fixation, or national neuroses, national neurosis, each according to his par- parochial circumstances. Parochial? Name them, John. Uh, uh, he does. He does go on to name a few points, but the by international stat standards, neither neither Tam or Hadju are especially incompetent or culpable. Then by like what standards are you fucking measuring them by? Yeah, I thought international standards were bad. Wasn't that what he was just <laughs> telling us in like like two paragraphs ago? Anyways, that we can't. We can't just leave it to these international bureaucrats who mm-hmm. are so no. slow to act. Well, no, not like the who or somebody like that. We need to apparently follow. We need to look at this through whoa, whoa. the lens of politics, apparently, somehow. Marino, I love the who, but they are not qualified <laughs> to give health advice. All right? Like, I like behind blue eyes and... Uh, won't get fooled again. You know, Tommy <laughs> was 
an innovative rock opera, but why are they giving health advice? Come on. Talking about my generation, man. Ah, that's, that's, culture that's, has gone way too far. That's that's the uh, all right, boys. We're nearing the end of this uh, this scientific piece. Mm-hmm. In Canada, this meant a relentless and often vapidly expressed fixation on open borders and anti-racism principles that I happen to support, though not at the expense <laughs> of Canadians dying. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, uh, do, you, do you think John Kay wrote that with a straight face? I don't know. I don't. He's I don't think he's like, he's like self-aware he, enough to to know what a piece of shit he is. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. I can't. I can't speculate. It's hard to say if he's if he's aware of how weird that fucking sentence sounds. And he's just laughing about it. Like, obviously, that makes him a craven monster. And if he's not, that just makes him, like, completely obtuse. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an odd guy, to be honest. Like, not to, not to take too much attention away from, from how stupid that paragraph was. But, like, listening to him interview his mom, they, they both... <laughs> I listened to Wrong Think like uh, a couple that, days ago that, I, that absolutely yeah. that rules so it, hard it so that funny. he interviewed his mom <laughs> yeah. on his podcast so, like, and like unironically yo, too. Should, I, should I get my mom on the podcast? I would love to yeah. have oh your mom on uh, Big Shiny Takes um, but yeah Remember? so he, he interviewed his mom on Wrong Think and they talk about themselves like they're political dissidents and they're running this some sort of counterculture movement and it's like then you read their columns and they're morons they're dumb they're dumb people with bad ideas and and it doesn't matter how cool they think they are they really 100 percent believe it and that that's sort of where i landed with john k mm, i'll have to take your word for it i have n- i've yet to listen to Oh, I honestly, I was I was convinced he was like a grifter. I, I was convinced he was just like putting this on to make some money, um, because I mean, with, with the columnists we have in this country, I you you read their takes and they're so on brand all the time. It it seems like a PR firm is is putting these things out, but but with him. They're, they're just like uniquely dumb sometimes. Um, I mean, it's like it's like he's almost like a highbrow Warmington. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like Warmington if he got past the third Harry Potter. <laughs> Would you? Say- yeah. What? What? A di- what a difference the um, the the fuck. What's the fourth Harry Potter book called? The Goblet of Fire. Is, is the the Goblet of Fire Secrets? No, 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 no. It's the Goblet of Fire. Chamber of Secrets is second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, what a difference the Goblet of Fire makes. Because it's got more grit to it. Uh, Marino, what's the, what's the next thing you wanted to talk about? <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Let's... So he talks about 
anti-racism and open borders and how that is apparently connected to people dying in any sense. Um, in the United States, the reality of COVID-19 ran headlong into Donald Trump's obsession with the stock market as an index of presidential self-worth. In the UK, there were unconscionable delays that resulted from Boris Johnson's populist infatuation, by which he and his entourage seemed to imagine that a problem can be managed so long as they flippantly zagged when the bien peasants zagged. Zigged while the peasants zagged, basically. I'm not going to fucking try and pronounce this like $10 word he's using. Uh, I learned that Johnson himself was admitted to intensive care around the time that I wrote these words. (laughs) (laughs) I did not edit my words. Yo, did you guys see? Did you guys see Andre Domis's tweet about Johnson? No, no. What did no, he say? Was From it? a couple of days ago. It was probably, but Boris B- Boris Johnson shanks Cameron, steps back, and lets May get absolutely wrecked by the fallout. Severs the UK from the EU. Lets COVID nineteen just burn its way through the country, and then pieces out. Legendary shit. <laughs> oh my god uh where were we yeah Um, by the time this is out he may be dead yeah there's like a a 99 chance i'm not a math guy that's why i I read this john k (laughs) column and i didn't uh throw up on myself okay we have two paragraphs left yeah let's get through let's kill it i'll talk about the canadian jewish news and You'll say what good stuff you have this week, and we're golden. All right. Perfect. Okay. Um, In China, uncountable thousands died because an authoritarian government was more interested in protecting its international reputation than its citizens. What I like about this paragraph is he's comparing this minor mask issue to these, uh, like, major policy fucking errors from Donald Trump and Boris Johnson and... China, who like with the U.S. The U.S. response is just completely all over the place. Mm-hmm. Johnson was denial and completely dragging his feet, and China is just an authoritarian government. So you just have the classical situations that they have, and those are comparable to this fucking minor mask issue. One long-term effect of this crisis, I hope, will be to reevaluate the way Canadian leaders pick up pick the people who run important departments and agencies. Under Canada's constitutional scheme, the primary responsibility for health care falls to provinces, and since it is the provincial governments that do much of the heavy lifting on service delivery and policy, it's always tempting for PMs to fill f- prominent federal roles with figures who are more mascot than minister. Hmm. Mm, I don't really hmm. see do you Teresa feel like Tan this is john k's like low-key application for the job <laughs> oh, no man. okay keep going <laughs> i mean who's to say i mean he um like i don't think that that's the main takeaway from this crisis is to figure out who to pick to run important departments. No. Like, I think, I think particularly with regards to public health, the people who are chosen to run those departments are doing a good job. Um, columnists in Canada, not so much. Yeah, well, like, Teresa Tam is, like, 
world renowned. Like she's so good at her job that the fact that some hack columnists decided to to take her up on on not uh, being an evangelist for masks as as a way of stopping coronavirus from spreading it is just so shocking. Like for such incompetent people to be going after someone who is actually good at what she does. Um, it, it, it just, <laughs> it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. Uh, uh, amen to all that, that, that this is not the only version of this take. Um, and there's a great thread that Jeremy mentioned from Andre Picard taking down uh, a Robin or back piece. I, I, I don't think I mentioned that. Oh no, that, that was me. But uh, but it was a good take, or it was a it, good. It's uh, a good thread. It was a good thread. So let's give Jeremy credit because he's uh, he's, you know. We should link to that. We should yeah. link to that that thread because that is a great yeah. takedown it's of these a kinds of thread. stupid yeah, it gotcha fucking takedowns. <laughs> gotcha well, takes. Well, like honestly, like I was I was tempted to do Robin Urbach's column until I saw John Kay's, which is just dumber. Um, oh yeah. Well, no, she's no. not as dumb as John Kay. Yeah. Both like, of them. I, both she, of them make good points. Well, I think Robin. And again, I think she's wrong. Like, yeah. Always. Yeah. Like not maybe always. A like, lot of the she's, time. She's got. She's got a good Twitter game, and I because when she because she got her start at Napo, right? Mm-hmm. And when I read her there, I was like, she's awful. And actually, a friend of mine is a cousin of hers, mm-hmm. um, Ethan Seamus. Nice guy. Um, when she re- wrote for Natpo, she had this like smugness that, you know, like not to the extent of like Rex Murphy or Conrad Black, but like definitely, you know, that's that's what the National Post is looking for, and she was playing that. And then I think she's moving to the center more, and I'm not a centrist or any means, but when right wingers move to the center, that means they're moving closer to me, so I like that. Um. But she's really good at yeah. Twitter, and that's where I was like, okay, yeah. Like, well, she's uh, not. honestly, like she she got destroyed in that that subtweet thread by uh, by her coworker, um, who's yeah. a health reporter, <laughs> you lo- and uh, she you did. Love she, to see it. she was nowhere. <laughs> like her fingerprints weren't anywhere on that that thread. She didn't comment on anything. She didn't like anything. Uh, nope. She pretended it did but not. She exist. knows. Oh, she knows. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like that's the best part. <laughs> back to uh, let's 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 cap off this turd sandwich. This fucking, yeah, yeah. what we are living through is now a deadly reminder that uh, what we are living through now is a deadly reminder that there are enemies out there that don't care about our slogans and hashtags. The COVID nineteen virus is one of them, dude. I think the only person obsessed with slogans and hashtags right now is you. Is the Quillette crowd? Yeah, <laughs> fuck. But, but honestly, the, the the thesis of this take is that political correctness has ruined our approach to tackling COVID nineteen. It's which reminds me of uh, you know a guy a guy by the name of Dave Rubin you may have heard of. Um, he's coming out with a book in a few weeks, which I. Because I love all you listeners, I am going to read, and I am going to select passages, and we're going to talk about them on the show, because he is dumber than a pile of bricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 
Um, he was on uh, Tucker Carlson's White Power Happy Hour like a few months ago. <laughs> the official name. When, yeah, when, uh, when there were the wildfires in California. And he was saying how the reason the wildfires have gotten so bad is because political correctness. Like, firefighters are so worried <laughs> about fulfilling quotas, having X amount of women firefighters, X amount of black, Latino, etc., etc., that they've just gotten out of control. And that is such... That's a take. That's like... A, <laughs> that's, you know, and... Um, this reminds me of a much more sophisticated version of that because Dave, Ru- like John K is dumb, mm-hmm. but like Dave Rubin is like, I, I mean, his friend Joe Rogan, I believe, likened him, likened him to a wounded antelope. Let's close out. All right, so let's talk about good things we read this week. John K is not the sharpest tool in the shed. And now, I just want to say, in the spirit of Passover, um, you know, I've been thinking about Jewish identity, I guess, a bit more than I do most times of the year. And the Canadian Jewish News announced this past week that it was ceasing operations immediately. It's done. And look... The, the CJN um, published a lot of unhinged, um, you know, ultra-Zionist tapes. Now, they also, about a month ago, um, published a take by Mother Babs. Mm. <laughs> um, that I'm just, I'm just going to read you the headline, right? We've had enough of the Ks, but... I think the headline, and it's not a bad headline, I think it is accurately saying what she's trying to say. Um, So the headline, there's actually two months ago, but you know, what is time anyways? K, Jews money in the grain of truth behind the stereotypes. Oh no. Oh, the, my God. The featured image for that photo is a bunch of Benjamins. Uh, now, Jesus. remember remember when Elon Omar responded to a tweet by Glenn Greenwald talking about APAC and how they're pressuring Congress to outlaw um, nonviolent uh, protest of Israel's occupation? Do I? And I don't remember. Use... But- uh, and, uh, but she used the term she quoted the Puff Daddy song all about the Benjamins and she was I mean it was insane she was I mean the re- that's like yeah. a huge contributing factor to why Elon Omar is the subject of controversy for no legitimate reason yeah, but yeah. nonetheless it's like um, when Bernie Sanders uh Press Secretary Brianna Joy Gray tweeted that criticism of uh, Kamala Harris, uh, where Kamala Harris was calling for like free coronavirus supplies, and she was like, "Yeah, what about cancer and diabetes?" And then the entire fucking Twitter sphere was like, "Oh my god, Kamala's mom died of cancer," and that became yeah. like a controversial thing. It's fucking as if she wasn't arguing in favor of Kamala's mom against Kamala. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, so this is an absolutely unhinged take. Yeah. 
Um, it's kind of old. I just thought I'd bring it up um, because what we do is examine bad takes. And I want I just want to provide context that the CGN published a lot of dog shit. Mm-hmm. But as a means of covering the organized Jewish community and by extension the pro-Israel lobby... Um, which are, I mean, essentially synonymous at this point, unfortunately. They they did a lot of good reporting, and I'm thinking specifically of a man by the name of Ron Silag, whose piece I'm shouting out, and uh, Alex Rose. Those two names stand out top of my head. They did really good. Just straight reporting. And I know Ron, um, in particular, I actually went to kindergarten with his daughter, Emma, um, in Hebrew day school, like I, he's known me, um, since I was in like kindergarten and I, I probably don't agree with his politics, I would imagine, but he was a very good reporter and his stories were great resources for, um, understanding what the, you know, organized Jewish community is talking about. So CJN shuttered stores this past week as a result of COVID. It's always had financial issues like, you know, every newspaper that isn't owned by a U.S. hedge fund. Um, <laughs> and though even the U.S. newspapers, oh, sorry, the Canadian newspapers that are owned by U.S. hedge funds have also been having financial difficulties. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. they got bailout. Anyways, so Ron... Ron wrote a reflection on his 40 years on and off at the Canadian Jewish News. He started there in 1980. And he wrote about some highlights, some people he interviewed. He interviewed, like, most Canadian prime ministers, um, a couple of Israeli prime ministers, etc., uh, etc. Et but near the end of the piece, he comes some regrets. And I think it's important to read into these regrets. The CJN was not aggressive enough in reporting the takeover of the Canadian Jewish Congress and other groups by the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs. For years, another no-go area for the paper was exploring the charitable status of organizations in Canada that financed activities in Israel's post-1967 territories. For too long, the paper functioned as a timid house organ meant to soothe rather than inform. Um, I think he nails it. And again, I, you know, as a kid growing up in the greater Toronto area's Jewish community, my parents got the Canadian Jewish News every week. And I would read it even when I hated, you know, some of the takes in it. It was just, it was really the only place to find information specific to Canada's Jewish community. But there were also, I think, some issues, not as much with its reporting, but the range of opinion it pre presented. But the issue Ron identifies here is what they weren't reporting, right? The fact that Canadian charitable status organizations were funding illegal settlements in the occupied territories, which aren't words that he uses, but is what they were doing, um, I think is um, incredibly um, honest and 
a really genuine thing to say after you know so many years working at this Jewish newspaper um, to see it articulated like that. And I know the Alberta Jewish News still exists. They recently merged their Calgary and Edmonton papers, which is not a good sign. But, I mean, the point is that um, there's going to be news in the Jewish community. And it's simply not going to get covered in depth by most other publications. um, Because that's just not their target audience right specifically i mean they'll cover some things of course like barry and honey sherman's murder and stuff like that that would otherwise get into the jewish community press but um i think that is a wise uh piece of advice for any jewish publication that is going to rise from the ashes of the CJN is yeah maybe take a closer approach to the take a a, a a closer look at the organizations that are claiming to speak for the Jewish community and hold them to account because that's what journalists do and again this isn't what Mr. Silak says explicitly but that's what I infer from it mm-hmm. for what it's worth no no um in it in, in, in all you man in any event um do you guys read anything worthwhile uh, no no I got nothing it's been a busy week it's uh been kind of a difficult week there hasn't been a lot of good news just covid 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 bernie sanders dropped out which I think we should mention we didn't do a news of the week thing or anything uh in any event Life is suffering. <laughs> yeah, we all and, live in a Dostoevsky and, novel. Yeah, I mean, we do. And that's why Dostoevsky is so profound. Um, politics aside, <laughs> I think he was a little, he was a little uh, anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean he was a uh, critic of the apartheid state of Israel. I mean, he was actually anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I read any good news. I, I like I have to be honest. Like it's it's been another week of just like oh more more pain and death is coming. Um, we're gonna get through this. Yeah, yeah. Of course we are. Like, of course we are. <laughs> and if we don't, I mean, no one's gonna be here to tell me I'm wrong. So. So yeah. In 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 some, uh, life is suffering. But you find meaning in the suffering. Um, one door closes, and another door opens. And then another door closes, and you're uh, in your bathroom putting Joker makeup on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is the perfect note to end on. I love you, brothers. <laughs>